0: Today we continue our discussion about our Pathways uh, Initiative, our Pathways um, of membership, our Pathway of growth, our Pathway of service, and then our Pathway of giving. And we've set out to offer clear and concise ways for every person to take his or her step forward. For some, that's a transfer and membership. For some, uh, that's professing faith in Jesus Christ and joining the family of God through baptism or then joining the local church or joining, in terms of growth, a Sunday school class or a small group or a supper club. And, and we've arrived at this two-week conversation about the pathway to service. We framed it last week by asking questions, who do we serve? Where will we serve? How will we serve? And then most importantly, why do we serve? Why do we serve? That's gonna be our our focus today. I was even thinking uh, with the insert here, uh, in any given week, there's a couple of opportunities Uh, wherever you are in life, whatever age you are, to serve. And so one of those is our Elmo service project. You see that listed there. And I was thinking about the fall bazaar that's coming up that will raise money for local missions and how they've been serving. I think I announced that wrong. It's not tomorrow. Uh, It's Wednesday. Uh, That pickup is on Wednesday. So we'd love to see you tomorrow, but don't come tomorrow unless you want to pick up something. It'll be on Wednesday. There's so many connection points to serve throughout any given week. What step are you taking? And how are you serving? And who are you serving? Most importantly, why are you serving? Our text today is Luke's version from Acts. Uh, It is the Great Commission. I invite you to find a pew Bible or a Bible you brought with you or take your electronic device and connect with Scripture in this way. It is from the very first chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. Listen for the word of the Lord. So when they had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Since being appointed to... First United Methodist Church here in Montgomery as senior pastor back in 2019, it has been an absolute joy to connect and to reconnect with several of our key community partners. Um, And what a blessing they are to us and what a joy it is to walk alongside the ministry that that they are doing. Uh, You all have done that this week uh, through helping Ken Austin, either through answering the phones down at the MAP program or, or donating. Uh, we get to walk alongside great organizations like Valiant Cross and um, That's My Child, That's My Doll. I mean, there's just a lot of ways that we get to be in ministry uh, in the community with groups who feed and educate and, and clothe and and listen and respond and help break any number of chains that bind people. Mental health uh, chains do that. Uh, unemployment are chains that that bind. And we get to help as the church uh, unlock some of those things with our community. Uh, partners. So I want to say at the outset thank you for being the change that you want to see uh, in Montgomery. Uh, what is the next step, though? What, what are the next steps that we are willing to take as a congregation uh, to support ministry here and then beyond, and you're going to hear that in just a moment. It is a true honor to have Brian Kelly here with us today. Uh, it was about 15 years ago that Brian and I first met, and we met right back here uh, through this uh, corridor to what is the reception room. It's the Pines Sunday School classroom. And I, at that time, was thinking, I'm going to stop resisting God's call and enter into ministry, and and Brian came in and was telling his story to the Sunday School class about uh, planting his family in West Montgomery, and doing inner um, neighborhood relational ministry and helping change one life at a time. And I was absolutely blown away at that point. So it's been a sure blessing uh, to reconnect with with Brian, to see the work that Jesus is continuing to do in in Montgomery. That is our zip code in Jerusalem, in our own zip code. And Brian is doing that that heavy lifting and what a joy it is to partner uh, with him in our own backyards. Um, Brian, I can't say enough about... Uh, how grateful we are that you have come to share with us today what it means to be a church and a people who answer God's call uh, through the waters of baptism, through the Great Commission, to go and to be the hands and feet of Christ. So, Brian, thank you for coming to share.
1: Well, good morning. Good morning. It's a privilege to be here. You have helped in served with us and walked with us for a lot of years. You've been a part of a lot of what I really believe to be miracles uh, on the west side of the city and in my life and in the lives of so many families. I've I've meditated on two passages for about 15 years now in, in relationship to the calling I thought God had placed on my life and our family's life with common ground. One is the one we're talking about in Acts and the Great Commission and the whole part of it was we're going to send, I'm going to send you everywhere. It's not going to be like you thought it was. It's not going to go the way you thought it will. And when I redeem your life, it may not uh, look the way you thought it would look. And I think that's what was going on there. I think it's been my experience. I'm sure it's yours. The other passage I've thought about for years is the, the great uh, commandment to love your neighbor as yourself and that's the one for years I've been thinking about and asking the Lord to show me personally and all of us collectively what does that look like and so that's the one I've thought about a lot as I've considered the impact that's been made on my life and and I've hijacked this from my mentor and he's hijacked it from someone else so I'm not claiming credit for this statement but um, most of the time when God gives a gift it's wrapped in a person and that's uh, the example that was laid out for us that when we found ourselves at the deepest, darkest place, when we didn't know how to handle where we were in life as a people and individually, he sent a child, he sent a, a baby that, that grew up and, and demonstrated something very different about God that we thought uh, existed. And so who he spoke to, the way he spoke to, to prostitutes, to lepers, to tax collectors, to, to drunkards, to you know, to the way he lived his life was so different than the culture of uh, what people expected of God at the time, that no one recognized him when he showed up. Um, And this is something I've been thinking about a lot. What does it look like to represent God the way he's called us to represent him in the middle of this day and age? And one of the thoughts and, and things that have shaped my mind about it for years is the Good Samaritan story, which goes something like this in Luke 10, 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. He said, good teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? Um, Jesus answered, what is written in the law? How do you read it? He said, love the Lord God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Do that and you'll live. And so he thought about it for a minute and said, uh, but he wanted to justify himself. He, He liked the way things were. He was used to the system. He was used to the way he was doing church. And so it was very comfortable, it was very manageable. So he said, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered with a story. A man was walking from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. He was beaten and and stripped and left half dead on the side of the road. Um, A priest came to where the man was and saw him and passed by on the other side. So too a Levite came to where the man was and saw him and he passed by on the other side. And then a Samaritan came to where the man was. Now fascinating enough Samaritan has the the personal history of animosity with the Jews, the religious history of being a half-breed and not really understood or respected, the uh, economic disparagement between the racial, all of it was there. All the despising and the history and all the way back to you know, Old Testament history with Samaria, there was just nothing there that would have made sense to reach across that line. It's not acceptable, it's not uh, acceptable to anybody, and yet the Samaritan's the one who demonstrates Mercy. He picks the man up, he, he bands, uh, puts oil and wine on him, he bandages him up, he puts him on his animal, he takes him to a local inn, he spends the night with him, he pays some money and then basically writes a blank check and says, whatever this man needs to, to recover, I'll pay you for it, just look after him. And so he tells this story to the teacher of the law, the, the one who knows the Bible better than you and me, and knows all about God and how he thinks as far as his own perception. And he says, who was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? He said, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus answered again, go and do likewise. The reason I think it's such a fascinating story is because the answer to Jesus being unrecognizable, the answer to when God himself shows up, we didn't see him. We we thought he was crazy. We thought he was crossing all the the wrong boundaries and lines. He wasn't clean enough for us. He wasn't powerful enough for us. He didn't look and talk and think and hang out with the people that we thought he was supposed to hang out with. And so we rejected him, all of us. They ended up killing him outside for answers like the ones that he gave to this lawyer. And I thought about that for years because the experience in my life over and over has been that when God gives a gift, he usually wraps it in a person that God uses broken, messed up, honest, vulnerable people that don't have the answers, that don't have the, the really impressive abilities to impact the world for himself because he is seen very clearly in that environment. He loves to show up where weakness is. He loves to show up where brokenness is. He loves to use people that think they don't have the ability to accomplish what he's calling them to do because they don't and we don't. And so our story for the last, 16 years has been one of feeling like god called us to move into a neighborhood to be a neighbor to love our neighbors well and to open-handedly ask the lord what do you want how do we walk with people when we don't really know how to do this cross racially cross economically living in a pretty violent neighborhood with the murders and the break-ins and the the sad things that happen how do you do that in a way that really represents you and we came in feeling very resourced and very uh, educated and, and, you know, uh, ready to, to share our life with other people that would help them. And what God did was disassemble us. He, he broke us over the years. He broke us as we watched eight children get murdered in the neighborhood, and we had to bury them after they grew up in our backyard. He broke us as people broke into our homes a couple times and kind of plundered everything. And my own children had nightmares for, you know, up to a year about thinking someone's gonna break in and hurt them. So we had to work through that. He broke us through family members and, you know, betrayal and church people. I don't know about you, but the the most deepest wounds I've ever had in my life have been through church people, not through people that don't know the Lord. It's it's people that in Jesus' name represent him in a way that really is destructive and hurtful and sad. And so these are the kind of things we experienced for years and personally walking in and, and God exposing me too of a God complex of racism of thinking I learned something in seminary of, of thinking I had something to offer. And he kind of had to disassemble that and humble me and humble all of us in the process so that we could love well in our community. So even through things like uh, watching a, a young girl in our camp uh, have we watched two women we didn't see it but in, while she was in camp two women were murdered in our neighborhood and had orphaned about seven children. And one of them was a young girl in our camp, about 11 years old at the time. And so we had to kind of walk her through that while she was with us. She just lost her mom and her aunt and her uncle was shot up and never knew her dad. And so everybody that was family, she just lost that day. And, we're, and I'm thinking, man, this isn't working. <laughs> this is awful. How do, you, how do you sustain the traumas and all those things and, and, and show up in people's lives in a way that you actually represent God, where He speaks, where He works, where He does miracles? One of the questions my um, now ex-wife, Uh, asked when we were coming in she said um, you know I really believe God's calling us to be here and do this and to to connect in ways that allow God to move through our lives but how do you I want to see miracles I'm, I'm tired of sitting around with resourced people she said and trying to figure out why we don't feel close to God this week And we're, you know, talking about the next Bible study or the next thing meeting at the church rather than I just want to see some wild stuff. I want to see God do miraculous, powerful things that you hear about in the book of Acts of power coming on us when we are submitted to God and his ways represent him the way he wants to be represented and trusting him to lead. And so that was kind of the entrance into our story. And little did I know that even our own marriage was something that we would lose in the... You know devastation of how painful life is sometimes so what was fascinating is that happened in front of our neighbors as well as the losses and the griefs and all the things that happened and what i began to see is that god actually Rather than disqualifying us, disqualifying us for failure and pain and grief and loss, He actually uses us in those places. That it's in weakness and brokenness that neighbors drew near that people I know that are lost as can be now wanted to hear our story a little more. They wanted to know why we still had hope, why we still thought God was working and redeeming and untangling us too and healing us from childhood trauma, from things that we were carrying for years, from depressions, from all kinds of stuff that just didn't go away because we were Christians. And it was in that space of being weak and honest and vulnerable that God showed up over and over. And I began to think about that again that He loves to show up in the form of a person. That gifts that He uses are that He wants to use human connection and relationships to reflect Himself into the world. And God kept doing that over and over and continues to do it. And so one of the privileges we have now 15 years into this is that we've watched God take murders and brokenness and little girls losing their parents and things like that. I've watched guys that I walked up uh, meeting when I started at Carver, coaching football and baseball as a way to get in the neighborhood. I coached 14 to 17 year olds for two years and watched a lot of their lives, watched uh, some of them died that year. Some of them, a couple of them were murdered. You had the gang violence and all the stuff in the neighborhood, but we ended up moving in and kind of walking with people. Well, the privilege we have now in trusting the Lord to redeem and do something that we didn't see happen in a new way is now we're 15 years later. So those young men are now in their, le- their early 30s and there's about 12 of them now that I keep in regular contact with. As a matter of fact, those boys are now training my own sons. I've got, I've got four biological sons and one adopted girl in the neighborhood, and they're training them in football and, and mentoring them in ways. And it's just fascinating to see that I thought we were there to help, and now it's the young men that I got to spend time with that are actually shaping the, the lives of my own children now. And, and we begin to, as we trusted God for, for miraculous things to happen, Things like the little girl that lost her mom that day, we ended up getting to adopt. And so she's 25 now and she's grown up in our family. And I now have a, a, a grandchild that looks, you know, a different skin tone than mine because of the relationship we've got to walk with this young girl when that happened. And the power and the healing and the things that God did through those you know, fit last 15 years in her life have been radically shaping for us and her. Uh, a young girl, when we first got there, had a miscarriage in my bathroom and she was 15 years old. And I remember walking with her and and all of us having her come over to the house and eventually she came to know the Lord. She invited a bunch of other girls from the neighborhood over who had had abortions or miscarriages or different devastation. Some of them came to know the Lord. It was fascinating. Later I got to perform her wedding with the young man that she had gotten pregnant with the first time. They've since had two more children and they're both my godchildren now. And so I'm now looking at 12 and 13 year old kids that were came after the the bloody devastation of the, the day in the bathroom. And just seeing God honor that sadness and brokenness and walking through her grief with her and being there when she dropped out of school and going to talk to the principal and advocating and trying to get her back in. And all over the years walking with kids that we've all gotten to do. God has blessed that. And you've been a big part of it. And so I guess in trying to encourage the church is I would ask you to continue to pray for us. We, we have sites now in Troy, West Montgomery, and in Florence. And so we have common grounds that have kind of grown that way. We've just bought a retreat center property up in Verbena. And we're praying right now how to use that for kids' camps and, and scholarshipping all the different nonprofits that you serve, Valiant Cross. Uh, uh, Mercy House, um, That's My Child, scholarshiping all those kids to go away for camp and be invested in and bringing in professional counselors to help work through trauma and all the murders and things, the sexual abuse, a lot of the things the kids have been through. We're trying to use this property to do that. I'd love for you to pray about helping us do that as we renovate it because the second part of the property is for you, for, for your, your church and, and for the different churches in the area, and that's to do marriage uh, retreats, do addiction retreats, do trauma retreats, and to bring people up to connect with Jesus in a way that they find healing, but also allow them to build their marriages and and kind of work through the stuff that we can then represent Jesus in our communities again in a healthy way as a church. And so this is something we're doing that I'd love for you to pray about. Partnering with us, we need you. Um, And also, as you think about the mission of the church here, I challenge you to to get involved in all the different categories and areas. But at the end of the day, it's your life. It's your ability to connect with people and let God speak through you and do things through your life without you having to know the answers and without you having to be perfect or all put together. But just honestly and vulnerably being weak. And God loves to use weak people. He loves to use groups of weak people because when we decrease that way and we recognize it, other people are drawn to it. They they love to be drawn to weakness. And second, God is really shown to be powerful in those situations. So I'll keep praying for you. I hope you'll keep praying for us. Uh, And just uh, remember, I'll end with this. I've got a mentor that um, is a uh, 65-year-old black man that has been mentoring me for about 10 years. He has a son um, that was a police officer in Mobile. And about five years ago, uh, the police officer went downstairs and tried to break up a domestic violence, um, young black cop, young white couple, the white guy who was a self-proclaimed racist ended up shooting and killing my friend's son. And so he not only did he lose his son to murder from somebody that hated him, he then spent a year in the court system listening to the defense blame his own child for his own death. So as you can imagine, how do you live with that? What, what do you do with that kind of loss? Well, what I watched was, This man, uh, him and his wife, get up one day after the trial, because the guy was convicted, he went away for life. And they looked at one another and said, I think God's calling us to love this man. And so they begin to go up to the jail or the prison and meet with him. They begin to get to know him and talk with him and share about their son, but about their life and their faith and all those things. And over about a three, four-year period, they became family. And they basically adopted the young man that murdered their son. That's power. That's something That all of us would look at and say, I couldn't do that. And you can't. That's what's beautiful about it. That's the power of the Holy Spirit telling you what to do and say. It's a reflection of Jesus that's way different than arguing over masks and rights and all of that. It's power. It's beautiful. And that's what I'm hoping God does with all of us is grants us that kind of thing. Because when you see that, you get a picture of the kind of power and love that God has done for you and me. And may he turn us into that kind of church. Amen.
0: If you haven't done so already, I hope you'll take a pen or a pencil or your device and write this down. Usually when God gives us a gift, it is wrapped in a person. This morning, God has given us a gift, and and Brian Kelly and the good folks at Common Ground, Montgomery... But not only do we get to see God's gift in others, but my brothers and sisters, we get to be God's gift for others. So as you think about the pathway to service and the steps that you're willing to take near and far in keeping with the Great Commission, I want to invite you to join me as we commit all of that to God in prayer to think about our next steps and what that means. The disciples ask a question that Jason referenced in his prayer. I think it's a very curious question. I think it's the wrong question. They said, Lord, is this the time that you are going to restore Israel? In other words, you're gonna take us back to the way things were. You're gonna make things better. You're going, to, you're going to do things that we know you can do, that we want you to do. Is this the time when you're going to make our city great again, to which Jesus said, no, there's, there's no, none of this rearview mirror looking. It's all windshield looking at this point. And Jesus says, no, but I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you, the church, through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, the body of Christ is going to redeem its corner of the world. And that's what we get to do, my brothers and sisters. Every time we'll say yes to to the waters of baptism, to the Great Commission, to discovering our spiritual gifts, to listening to stories like Brian has shared and, and so many others, we get to walk along the pathway to service to say, Lord, show us your gifts and other people. And if you so choose, allow me to be that gift of grace and hope and joy for someone else. So let's pray about that together, would you? Let's pray. Holy God, we thank you for Brian and for Common Ground and the transformation that is happening in our city because people are willing to take a a step forward and say, I'll be a part of the change. I'll be a part of the dance that God is already performing out in our community, and I'll join that dance. I'll join the work. I'll roll up my sleeves, and I will get in, and I'll get involved, and I'll help. And so often, Lord, we confess in this time of worship and this time of prayer that it's so easy to say we, we don't possess the skills or the gifts or the talents. Or if, you just, if people just knew my story, they, they would never listen to what I have to say. And we, we come up with so many reasons to say, Lord, just fix it all and take us, take us back and restore your people again. To which Christ continues to say, no, I choose you and your insufficiencies and your talents and your abilities and inabilities and even your different abilities and I choose you and your hands and your feet to make a difference. For which Lord we are humbled and grateful. Help us to also be courageous and brave as we take our steps forward to make a difference in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the world In doing so, Lord, all honor and glory be yours now and forever. And all God's people said, amen.